0: to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Traveler's Blueprint Travel a Roundtable discussion where we aim to discuss the beautiful, beautiful diversity of our planet as it relates to culture, gender, race, the environment, and of course, travel logistics. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. If you're a regular listener, thank you. Before we get into the show today, if you're listening to this and you are yourself an expert in the travel industry in some way and are interested in joining a future discussion, please submit your information through our website at or, or through the email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com with your name, website information, and what you do. Uh, if you have a few topics you'd be interested in discussing, send those t- as well, and we'll get you on for a future Travel Around Table episode. Before we jump into the conversation today, I want to take a minute to introduce uh, our panel members. Um, I'm going to ask you where you're located, how you're involved in the travel community, and where people can find you online to just check up on your content. So let's get started. Brandon, uh, why don't you take
2: it? All right. I'm uh, Brandon Shaw, currently located in Florida at the moment, but we offer tours throughout Europe for the most part. Specializing in Italy, France, and Barcelona and London now, uh, when everything gets back to normal. You can find us on the romanguide.com or the tourguide.com. And
1: uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've had a conversation previously on the podcast. And if, if you're interested in learning all about Rome, definitely check that out. Igor, what about you?
3: Oh, uh, guys, my name is Igor, or Igor, as the little helper of Frankenstein. I'm based in Venice, Italy and uh, my website is www.tourleadervenice.com. I mainly do tour in Venice itself with gondola rides, tours of the lagoon, wine tasting and exploring Venice off the beaten path.
1: Yeah, and we you were on the podcast as well all three of you were really. <laughs> but uh yeah, we and we had a great discussion on on Venice and some behind the scenes. Looks at that, Kesler. You are now a. You've been on a few times now. Why don't you give the the, the audience uh, some insight on where you're from and what you do?
4: Well, hello, listeners. Uh, my name is Keshler Tibell. I'm with Lake Canard Tourism. Uh, I have a few uh, duties. One, I am a tour guide in the Philadelphia area, covering history, like the basics or introduction to America, as well as some places in Philly that most people don't typically get to see, like Germany, Germantown, Maniac, places like that. As well as I am a travel director as with uh, Lake and Art Tourism, like I said before, uh, venture culture luxury with a big focus on culture, actually trying to learn and get to appreciate the various cultures instead of just going there to just be a tourist, you're actually taking part in what's happening around you. And once again, I'm happy to be back on. It's been a while.
0: Yeah,.
1: <laughs> and so let's jump into the topic. If you are down if you downloaded this, you already know it's- we're going to talk about the future of travel very quickly I want to define what that means and for the basis of this conversation the future of travel is going to be what to expect for travel within the next two to five years. I guess from this point on in up to five years because we think I, I there, there's a lot there's a lot to break down. We really don't know what to expect in some regard. So Kessler, I I think I want you to get started with this because I know you recently toured portions of the United States for your own research to kind of get an idea of how different states are handling the coronavirus, the movement being involved in different states. And you're also paying very close attention to what's going on in countries around the world. You're actively providing us with information on what's happening in the ground in in South American countries and throughout Europe. So from the research you've put in thus far, from the travels you've you've experienced over the past few months, what is your insight? What are you expecting with travel for the future? Everyone be flexible. (laughs)
4: That's what I'm seeing so far. Uh, right now, the trend is no one books anything more than two weeks out because you can't tell what's going to happen beyond that point. So if I see something that's like a month away, I was like, oh, you're really taking that risk. There's uh, a lot of number you know, especially if you're in the United States, the rules and regulations change almost weekly. So it's really like be flexible, like plan last minute. But the biggest thing that's happening now in the United States Keep saying united states the biggest thing happening here is for as travel is national parks but i see a restlessness uh they want to go other places they want to travel to mexico they've probably already been to mexico now they want more anything beyond that like i said i was like i don't know what's going to happen in the next two to five years because it's still it's so uncertain uh, other countries are like other tour guides and other people i know other countries are talking to me and telling me like hey you know we're going to be opening up soon but they're very apprehensive because. For them as well. They don't know what's going to happen next. So your question, what's gonna happen in two to five years adjustment period? Trying to figure out how to proceed, how to move from this period that we're in right now, it's all just a lot of like question marks.
1: Now, do does anybody here think that travel is going to pick up significantly within the next year? Let's let's scale it back. Maybe five years is too far ahead to think about. How about twenty twenty one? I, that's still unknown in a lot of regard. Brandon, do you have any any insight or or any optimism towards what you think travel will look like
2: over the next year? I'm super optimistic. Again, I was telling Elliot before. I think it really depends on the vaccine. I think that's really what everybody in the travel industry is waiting for. Once we have an actual, it's two steps. Once you have the vaccine, and then how quick you can actually distribute it. But we have in our we have a, a custom trip planning service, and we have a lot of customers who had to cancel their trips this year, and they're rebooking everything for next year. I even have a biochemist that works in a hospital in New York City, and she's like, you know, by next year, it should be fine.
0: I think that's interesting, because we do, right? We In our conversation before we actually started talking on the podcast, the, the vaccine seems imminent. It seems like it could be here within the next three months, distribution a little bit longer after that. But beyond the vaccine, we also have the the plasma, which is basically someone healthy that was able to fight off the virus and then taking that plasma and giving it to other people and basically cloning it is another form. It's not a vaccine, but it will help fight. So we have two two options in the near future.
2: I think yeah. it's gonna I think it's gonna take off. I think people, you know, like you said, it's, people are restless. People wanna go, people don't wanna stay in the United States. So a lot of our customers, like we're coming back next year, if they allow us to get on a plane, which obviously is is a big if, if they allow us to go, we're going to go. And even if you don't take the, a lot of people are against the vaccine. If you're against the vaccine, that's fine. But at least there's something out there, you know, that yeah. you can take if if you want. Yep. So it should help alleviate some of the panic. I think.
1: My, my worry is, let's say a vaccine comes out in January. And I think that's still being optimistic for for a quick turn on this vaccine, it's still going to take, what, another year or two before it reaches a majority of the population to the point that we can then travel safely. So I worry that even with a vaccine, when will travel go back to being normal? Elliot, do you have something to count on?
0: Yeah, because so there's a lot of research on how the vaccines would best be distributed, right? You're not going to give vaccines to people that haven't been exposed to it. You're going to give vaccines to the people that are most likely to get the virus, which includes family and friends of someone that already had the virus. So you're going to give them the vaccine and you're essentially doing what firefighters do. They try to get rid of the fuel in areas that the fire is growing. So if you block the virus from transmitting to various people, you have a better chance at squelching it with fewer vaccinations So you don't need to vaccine the entire population. You only need to vaccinate people in close proximity to people that had the virus.
1: Okay. Now, Igor, you are located in Venice, one of the the biggest travel destinations on the planet. Are you noticing a shift in in the hotel operators and the uh, landmark operators, the museum operators that are shifting to maybe a limited experience or just sort of changing the direction of how they operate so they can accommodate people in this post-pandemic world.
3: So what is happening right now? And so talking about plasma, uh, we are tasting plasma ideas starting from last May. It seems that it might be an option, actually, beside the vaccine. And talk about um, some tourists in Venice. Yeah, um, we got something like 30 million visitors every year. Uh, What I'm starting to see with the people that they are rebooking for 2021, they're like, okay, we're coming back, but we don't want to have big crowds. We don't want to face St. Mark's Square full of 200,000 people, actually. What they are mainly asking is, uh, look, we come to Venice, but take me to off the beaten path. And so as less people that are going to see, I will be way much happier, actually. And uh, what is happening right now is uh, that the mm, Basilica, the St. Mark Basilica at the moment is closed. And so you're not allowed to go in and you got restrictions on the entrances of the Doge's Palace. And so what is happening right now is a few restrictions here and there. Some churches, they are still closed uh, and there are trying to see how the evolution of the things uh, is going on. Mainly at the moment, uh, what is happening here is that we got Germans, Austrians, and Swiss. And starting from this week, we won't have Swiss guests in Venice because uh, the new law is saying that once that they go back to Switzerland, they're going to go into a quarantine. Or you as an Italian, once that you go back from Switzerland, you go back to Italy, you're going to have the quarantine. And so that's the evolution of the situation.
1: Now that with that information, with people asking to do more off the beaten path locations, are now any of you could take this. Are you trying to revamp your your niche to focus on instead of Rome you focus on the outskirts of Rome which i'm sure there's still a lot to do especially for foreigners to see and experience are you trying to figure out ways to pull people out of these densely populated locations that are historically hot spots for tourism and saying here this is what else you can see in the countryside and it's still a great experience in its own are you, are you guys any of you doing that or trying to revamp or remodel your tourism
2: it's hard for rome i mean Because Rome is Rome. So, you know, if you're going to come to Rome, you're going to want to see the Vatican and the (laughs) Colosseum. So I can say, hey, listen, we can go to a little town outside. But they're like, yeah, but the Colosseum is is in the middle of of the town. But what they are doing, you know, the same thing as what Igor said, they're restricting the amount of people that can come inside. You can't just buy tickets on your own and just jump into the Vatican right now. They're doing time slotted entrances. Colosseum also minimizing the amount of people that can come inside. So if they continue with that, that within itself, our group sizes, are we're making a much smaller, you know, max 10 people that can go in, you know, as before you can go up to 24, even. So I think some measures are being put in in that way to make sure to reduce the amount of people and the, the amount of people that could contaminate other people, I guess.
3: And Brandon, in
2: Philadelphia.
3: Uh, also got sorry, guys. Brandon, did you see the last news about the Vatican? About the weekends? Did you hear anything?
2: No. What's the, what's okay.
3: the latest? The latest is going to be pretty crazy. The <laughs> Vatican City, they don't want to have private tours in the Vatican during the weekends. Well,
2: it's closed on Sundays anyway. So I guess. Yeah, yeah no, they wanna... okay.
3: But now <laughs> they want to close, close. They don't want to see groups, private people with private guides. And that is going to be mm, interesting. <laughs>
2: Perfect.
1: So now um, they're limiting, n- not only the weekly tours will be limited, now they're completely removing an entire day. I I have to wonder, you know, a big problem with places like the Vatican was everybody could, would complain about how crowded it is. You know, the, you didn't really get a, I don't want to call it, you didn't get a great experience because you still could, but you couldn't ignore the amount of people that were there sharing that space with you. And... I'm wondering now because we're being forced to limit the amount of people going to these experiences. Will people then want to go back to being shoulder to shoulder, or will there be this new uh, design for tours where people are, want to limit the space? It also preserves these structures too, right? I don't know. It's, it seems like it's going to be an odd balance. There's going to be fight back because obviously you got you know you 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 want to make money too. I I don't know. It's have any of you thought of that?
2: I think the memory is short. I think within a year, if everything goes back to normal again, I, I think it's it'll get back to the Vatican as well. Are going to start counting? Oh, well, we can make a lot more money, you know, yeah. if we open is things that, back up again. So,
4: is that really <laughs> for everything? Is like the loss of revenue, especially these days, will make them say, "Well, you know what? Let's let's go back to the way it was before."
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. right.
0: I I don't think people are going to have much of an issue. I, there's only a few people that I've talked to that are actually happy with some of the changes like giving hugs or handshakes anymore isn't something that be, that they want to stick they just don't care for them but i think for the majority of people right it's human nature like we want contact we want to be close to other people and we want to not necessarily be crammed in like sardines but we don't mind crowds for the most part as long as we still get to do what we want to
4: I they're doing as the a
0: vaccine people. right if, if there's, there's a vaccine. Yeah. I
4: mean, they're doing the same thing here in Philadelphia where they're limiting how many people go into the structure for the Liberty Bell. But I think it's about 11 people at a time. 11 people go in, boom, 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 you see, take photos, and you're out. But now the lines have developed where it kind of wraps around the corner. And looking at them, it's like they're still kind of getting close to each other. They're still, so it's like, okay, you're limiting it, but people are all come together outside now. So,
0: Yeah, slightly better because it's outside, but still yeah. cramped.
1: Yeah, it's I I I I don't know. Part of me thinks that limiting the the amount of people inside would catch on, but I guess I guess not. I guess not. You know,
4: because everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone wants to get out. Everyone wants to explore. So everyone's thinking like, yeah, I went off the beaten path. But then everyone's going off of the beaten path had that same mentality. So everyone's off the beaten path, and now they're huddled together there. So. <laughs> It's like, damn if you do, damn
1: if you don't. I guess the yeah. good thing, though, is that there won't be, although there's a lull, we all can agree that based on what we understand about the, the travel, it's going to bounce back dramatically. Like the people who want to travel and were unable to travel still want to travel. And they're just sort of, uh, to quote somebody, standing by and waiting to, to travel as soon as they can. Um Right? So it's going to bounce back. It's just a matter of time. We're just all waiting patiently for travel to get back to where it was. And it's inevitable that it will bounce back to where it it used to be. Does anybody here think that it's not going to be the same industry that it was pre-COVID?
0: No? No, I'm, I'm
2: positive. I'm positive. Yeah,
0: I think in the beginning of the pandemic when there was when there was a lot of questions on what the virus actually was, and the there was questions of if a vaccine was possible, that's when I started to question if anything was going to be back to normal. But now that a vaccine is promising and the plasma has been promising, I think we're going to return to probably the same normalcy that we saw in 2019.
1: Do you think the pandemic has pushed any Long-standing changes or or policy changes to the travel industry. Are we going to do things differently now because we know what could happen to the travel industry? Or will there be precautions made, um, whether it's with the airline industry or tour companies or anything like that 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 are going to be in place because of the pandemic?
0: I I hope we see not just company policy but global policy. Right, this is the first time in the in the history of humanity that. Every single individual, every single country has been fighting the same cause. And it's all been tangible, I mean, right? We should all be fighting climate change, but there are some non-believers out there and therefore we're not fighting it. But to have a the International Monetary Fund actually provide resources and a rainy day fund for a global pandemic in the future, it's been talked about, but it's never been taken into action. And now I think we have proof that it is needed.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I can only hope, I can only hope so. I, again, I think people have a short memory and I think this is going to bounce back quickly. And a year from now, hopefully, you know, people are going to be shoulder to shoulder in the Vatican or in St. Mark's. And it's going to be just just like it was before.
0: Yeah. I'm hopeful that it's a short term memory in that sense, but I'm hopeful it's a long term memory in the sense that we don't ever want it to happen again
2: yeah absolutely you're going to stick around
4: for a little bit but like you're saying it's everyone's just going to go back because people do want to get closer to each other it's like you, you try to keep us apart but eventually we're going to want to get close to each other we want to interact with people it was strange for me to visit another state and there's a partition right there and i just can't have a conversation we're looking at you're like hey if it wasn't for the glass we you know we would really be able to talk but we can't but once that goes away, it's going to be like, all right, let me move my chair a little bit closer. Hey, how's it going? Hey,
1: hey, hey. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. And so, all right. So it seems like we're all in agreement that we don't know when it will go back to normal. We're waiting on the vaccine. Essentially, we're all at the mercy of this vaccine rolling out. But once it does, we all think that travel will get back to normal uh, at, relatively quickly. So in the meantime, though, what are some of the things that you guys are doing to entice travelers to continue to travel? I know, Keshler, you and I speak quite often and you do have tra- you do have people rolling into Philadelphia asking for tours, and so there still is there still are people out there who are trying to travel during this. Um, Brandon or Igor, what are your experiences with operating in Italy? And obviously, Americans were shunned this past summer. But yeah. um, <laughs> uh, what are you guys doing to still have people, you know, book tours and and provide those those experiences for? For your guests,
3: asking for spare change in the street—spare change. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We're almost there. We're almost getting closer.
1: <laughs> well, but but uh, Igor, were you doing tours? Did you do tours this this past summer? And so I done a bunch of
3: tours uh, with Germans, Austrians, uh, and the Swiss, and a few Italians actually. And then uh, I'm trying to do a bunch of crazy things. And so basically, I'm trying to involve what guys that they love the bicycle. I just finished the last mission that we've done a gondola ride with a bicycle inside of the gondola, pub, plus a pub crawling in the Venetian Canal.
1: So bike riding, <laughs> bike riding, gondola bike riding, bike. and then drinking. <laughs>
3: Absolutely awesome. right. At that point, <laughs> actually, nobody can stop you. Nobody can tell you. Boo, you have to do the alcohol test. We got the gondolier that is rowing. You can drink as much as you can and then <laughs> life jacket on. <laughs> now,
1: now, how has is, how is Venice um, as a city adjusted to the significant decrease in tourists? It, it's. I know. I saw a bunch of videos of like you know fish populations coming back and dolphins swimming through the canal. So is there any? Is there going to be any push for Venice to hold on to this in some way? Because I know pre pre COVID they were trying to make a push to stop cruise ships from coming to the to the city. To dock yeah, you're right,
3: city. Bob. And that's what we were saying last time that we were having the chat, and everybody was protesting: no cruise ship, no cruise ship. Now we got a new protest that is yes, cruise ship, yes, cruise yeah, ship. Please, cruise ship, please, cruise ship. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> <laughs> they figured out that 80,000 euros to dock a boat, to dock a ship in Venice per day is quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire idea is uh, that we're having more moonfish, pretty big, massive in the Venetian lagoon, We got more seahorses, starfish, jellyfish, and we never had as many as this year. And we are having more uh, flamingos in the um, Venetian Lagoon. And uh, I believe that we're having quite a lot. What I'm trying to do right now is, I know that this sounds quite crazy, but all the Italians are crazy. And so with uh, a friend of mine, Gondolier, we are building up a boat to go to collect rubbish in the Venetian Lagoon and bring the people collecting rubbish and help the environment and all these things so that's... the idea is private boat nobody will bother you you will be totally your party and you help uh, uh, mother nature and so on and you keep going with that idea
1: there's already the buzzwords around that ecotourism volunteerism yeah that's yeah, yeah yeah there's a lot of people that are in that are, that are into doing that stuff
2: yeah i think it's for right. us we um You know, in the end, we had a lot of tourists. We do mostly English language. So we had a few Germans who were doing tours in English, um, not like, you know, with Igor, but we had a lot of British people, a lot of British tourists that came into Rome and were doing tours with us like that, as far as physical tours. But, you know, like I said before, we were limiting the amount of people in the tours and sometimes doing groups of two or six, two, four, six people. What we found has been really good is our virtual tours. Okay. We've run. A, we've been running a lot of virtual tours since March, and people have really picked up on it. You know, as Americans for the most part, obviously, because they can't get over to Europe, and so we have our, our tour guys would normally do a regular tour, and instead they're doing these virtual tours, and it's been a a, a big success. People really like it, and we just keep adding new and new sites. And yeah. like thank you. We can't travel, but at least we can do this. You know, at least so we can see it virtually.
0: What are the virtual tours? Are they live Are they pre-recorded?
2: So it's not pre-recorded. It's kind of like almost a webinar where you have the, the tour guide is live, and then we have a live chat function. And so they can just speak with the actual people who are watching it. And they'll go over various slides and explain, you know, do a tour of the Vatican Museums uh, in a virtual sense of just photos and explaining it and giving a lot of anecdotes. So okay. we try and focus a lot more. It's not like a history lesson, but on fun stories of what you would see when you get to actually go to the Vatican. Okay. And then moving forward, we're gonna actually try and experiment with a real live guide walking down the street by the Coliseum. Uh, we're logistically trying to figure that out how that's going to work. but that, that seems like a great idea two. Yeah,
1: even after the pandemic to be able to provide people who might not be able to afford a trip to Italy to still do it virtually. yeah, that, that seems like a great idea. I we, we talked about the tour the, your virtual tours back you know way back when, um, yeah. when we were figuring it all out uh, when, when COVID first hit. Um, and, and so the, the thing that I, that I really like about them is for people who are into history already, instead of just watching the history channel, they get to sit down and, and, you know, instead of watching a special on the Vatican, you can now talk to somebody about the Vatican, have a live chat option going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great, great idea. And I I could definitely see that helping you throughout the, the pandemic and, and once it's done as well <laughs> but and... that's
3: pretty much what i'm doing too actually in venice and so for me the virtual tour is working like this uh, i give you an invitation via skype or zoom or whatever at le- at that time you get connected normally i start on the top of the rialto bridge or the fish market or whatever and then i walk them to st Mark's square at that point that they got the chances to ask as many questions as possible, actually, that once that they come back, they can have a normal tour, be more confident with the city. They can understand a little bit better the entire city or the spot
1: where they are. Yeah. Now has, has COVID-19 provided you with any insight on the travel world, the travel industry? Has it made you realize something that you didn't realize before? Anybody,
2: I I just see how fragile the whole economy actually is. I think that's the main thing. Where you go from Monday, in you know, in February, like everything's going great, we're gonna have a record year, it's awesome. To Friday being like, oh,
4: it's that serious.
2: It's that fast. It happened that fast.
1: It was incredible how quickly it crashed. I think as soon as people saw what was happening on cruise ships and mm-hmm. when the pandemic the the virus was still there were a lot of unknowns about how deadly it was and how quickly it could spread it it was incredible to see essentially the world come to a halt like it did and airlines just become grounded and empty and cruise ships just become empty too i it it, it it's mind boggling that that happened i mean still it, it, there's still not a lot going on but we we Lived through a time in history where every sporting event, every musical event, every restaurant, bar, it, it was just all closed almost overnight. It, it's just, it's still, it still boggles yeah. my mind that we were able to put a, this this because we're all in this global, especially with travel, we're kind of like one organism where the airlines are all relying on people across the world and it just, I don't know, it came, it came to a standstill. It is very agile and you don't realize that. Such a large industry is so fragile,
0: yeah, we didn't um, have anything I, I, to compare has anybody to... thought of or
2: no,
1: but uh, yeah, no and, and has anybody thought of or heard of any precautions we could take for the next one because are we in a better position than we were before coronavirus for the next pandemic because it's inevitable, right? These things just jump from animals and they're going to happen again, I'm sure,
0: oh yeah, I think we're definitely in a better position we, is there anything
1: in place that think stop governments it might react a little forward.
0: yeah Uh, yeah yeah, yeah.
1: more experience yeah
0: yeah we definitely have experience now we know we know generally how it would traverse the planet and we have better i mean i don't think it's necessarily related to travel but it just in general practices of how to you know socially distance on how to wear a face mask on things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do um, but it we talked about things that we would that we think will happen to the travel industry long term impact wise and I think personal mobility is gonna be a big one and Bob, we've had a conversation with someone about autonomous vehicles, but I think personalized basically yeah. uber air taxis are gonna become a thing. They've already established it. there are a lot of startup companies that have these air taxis that are basically motorcycles they look like motorcycles but with propellers (laughs) and so they will take you from building to building typically intercity or intra-city
4: that's pretty cool yeah in dubai didn't they launch that a few months ago
0: i wouldn't put it past them
1: yeah i feel like dubai would be the first place to to have that technology roll out yeah
0: but we also talked about, uh, we since we do our Travel a Bite episodes at the beginning of every month, just last month, uh, airline industries are still doing their research and development to try to make travel, A, more sustainable, but also more cost-effective. So Boeing is looking at hydrogen fuel cells, and yeah. it could reduce the cost per seat by up to 50 or 60%. And that's not just f- passing... The profits down to the consumer but also that makes it easier for them to have more flights have more planes so i mean i think overall yeah. i think
2: it, it could be a very positive thing moving mm-hmm. forward if, if anything like i said i was talking about the virtual tours before i think between virtual tours for people coming to us and saying hey listen I have, I have some kind of uh physical problem i can't travel you know at least now the world of virtual tours is opening up much more i think than it was before so this is something that a lot of tour companies, I think, might actually retain moving forward. Or it could be like, hey, you're coming to Italy next year. Why don't you do a virtual tour first to get an idea, get excited about what you're doing, and then go do the actual tour. Yeah. Um, right. I think it's besides that, as far as like companies working, having everybody work remotely moving forward. I mean, you see all the big tech companies. A lot of people now are moving more towards not working in a in a virtual, more in a uh, not in a set office. Yeah. So that might have a huge effect moving forward.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, I think that's a really, I think that it's something that people haven't really thought about, but I think that could have a massive impact on local tourism, right? Because if people, if half the population isn't traveling into Philadelphia to go to work, half the people aren't also going out to lunch or getting coffee or going out to dinner. And that's just part of their weekly routine. And now that's not happening at all.
1: Yeah. That that would be smart for I don't know, someone like Airbnb to push the digital nomad tourism sector. Because I I already have friends who are now realizing they can work from home. My a friend of mine and his fiance both have remote jobs, and so now they're looking to travel to Italy. I'm sorry to uh, Hawaii for six weeks, come back to California, rent a car, and then just spend another few months seeing the entire United States and working the entire time. And so there is going to be this new industry. There's how many millions of people now realize that they can work. They can do their job from Rome, from Venice, from Lima. And that, that opens up the doors for a lot of people who really didn't travel before because they were confined by work, by their 40-hour work week, who now realize they can do that 40-hour work week anywhere and then in the evenings get dinner in Rome and... And do things like that. So there's that. There's a whole new sector that's emerging, really, right?
0: Yeah,
3: that's that's really it's interesting. really exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
3: I know huh. you're right. Uh, think about all the people that they move to Bali or Bud that they are working uh, directly from those platforms, right? There. Going back to the idea of the airplanes, Scandinavia Airlines right now they are having problems with clients. Why? Because uh, Scandinavia actually. They are much aware of all the problems of the pollution that an airplane is causing. And so a lot of the Scandinavians, they are not catching flights. Otherwise, they are going to cause too much pollution. And so Mm -hmm. at this moment, Scandinavia Airlines is the only company all over the world that is doing researches about electric airplanes. And that is going to affect the market.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think electric airplanes and hydrogen fuel cell planes are going to I think it's only a matter of time until they are, just like with cars, they are the only form of aviation. I think fossil fuels and jet fuel in particular with its high cost, high explosivity and reliance on other countries to produce it, I think it's going to fade out. It may be 30 or 40 years though.
1: I think that's inevitable for the travel community because you have this people who travel tend to be more environmentally conscious, but like enjoy doing something that has a huge impact on the environment. So there has to be a solution made. Eventually there has to be something that comes we, together. We, we can't people- all be Greta
0: Thunberg who, you know, sailed across the Atlantic.
1: Right. We're, we're at the mercy of the technology that's available to us. But I think as more travelers push for that, the industry will also, will, will accommodate them.
2: That's a, a Igor, second, what, do, what do you think about the electric boats in the, in Venice? Uh, we Where's the, the, the motorboats do you guys have have you seen any electric boats
3: and so we inaugurated the first one actually which is a motorboat with something like uh, almost 100 seats they are producing the engine something like 20 minutes out of venice at the moment it's working pretty good actually and uh, it seems that right now you are getting subsidization from the european community if you are going to turn your boat into an electric one and so i see that we are going to go in the same directions as amsterdam That all the boats that they do the canal tours, the majority, they're getting electric one. I believe that we're going to go in that direction, actually. At least I hope. Yeah, that's
2: awesome.
0: That is awesome. Well, I think that's what's a little different between the U.S. and Europe is that for the most part, Europe runs on 220 volt and U.S. is 110. So the infrastructure in Europe is a lot. It's twice as powerful. So it can charge like. For most cars in the United States, if you charge on a 110 volt outlet, it takes days to charge a 100 kilowatt hour battery, which is not very feasible for anyone. So you have to get a special charger and upgrade your breaker and all this other stuff in order to make it feasible. So that is, you know, one step ahead for Europe.
3: Yeah, but right now we've got Tesla recharger pretty much everywhere. Actually, that in something like 30 minutes, 45 yeah. minutes you are going to have. Almost half of the amp battery full. And so that is going to be awesome, actually. And it's working perfectly. I can really see the increase of people that are buying Tesla year after year or month after month. We're having more and more and more and more. Not in Venice Island, but in the outskirts, of course. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I think it's one, of the, it, it's one of the... Teslas are the top, I think, in the top three of most sold electric cars in Europe right now. And Europe actually has quite a few other electric models compared to the United States. If well, it's I, not I a Tesla, it's an is... Audi. <laughs> an Audi, yeah. yeah
1: I, I know Switzerland is pushing this new eco electric tour across their entire nation where you can essentially rent an electric car. Tesla, they're, they're pushing Teslas. And they already map out the entire itinerary for you, which towns to visit, where all of the charging stations are. And they're enticing people, come to our country, drive across the entire country. It's a very small country for those who might not be familiar with it. But um, <laughs> you can see the entire country very easily. And they they tell you which towns to visit and what why you should visit those towns, whether it's chocolate or watches or whatever it is. And it's a really cool idea because, yeah, mm-hmm. I think, like we just mentioned, environmental uh, or eco-consciousness, uh, ecotourism is very
2: it, it's it's we, on the rise we were so, one of the I, first I, ones to do golf cart tours in rome oh yeah it uh, was like four years ago and we had the big seven seater and we we're going around the city of course you know rome romans are very particular people if you haven't been there i'm sure igor has a, a few opinions about them but it's a very 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 specific people in many aspects uh Almost all positive. You know, I'm definitely in a positive way. I love romance.
3: But You can, you can yeah. say whatever you want, Brandon. You won't. never get offended. You can say whatever you want. We're sure. just going to have this, a laugh. That's it. This, <laughs> this is more. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> this Joe. Is- you are guilty. I sue this is- you. <laughs> uh, I, I this love- is on the
1: record.
2: <laughs> but the problem is that the taxi drivers and everybody started, they didn't understand what we were doing. they thought we were acting like a taxi service. And so, you know, they kind of shut us down. Now we're talking with the government again to try and get it moving and explain exactly what it is we want to do, because you know Rome is is a very condensed, packed city, uh, you know, very similar to Venice, you know, in that area. So we're trying to really go now and and find new ways to do more green tourism, which people, especially in America, they really enjoy and like. So hopefully for next year we can get that started again. And uh...
3: but that's what I'm trying to ask to the local city hall actually, because I would like to do let's say tesla tour electric tour with the prosecco wine region actually but the point is if you don't have a mcc a rent a car with driver actually if you don't have the license right. in the tesla you cannot run a tour and so let's see how we're going to deal with that actually i cannot buy 200 tesla to do the tours actually Otherwise, yeah. it's gonna be a big regulation. The regulation yeah. is
2: pretty strict, but I think it's something new also for the governments, right? They don't really know how to deal with it yet, so it's kind of a gray area. But hopefully, we can stay strong. If, you know, twenty, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two have all electric car fleets everywhere.
0: Oh, that'd know. be so awesome. I
1: hope twenty twenty one. I, Brandon, I told this to Igor. I re, I rebooked my my Italy trip for May. and now I don't know. I'm back and forth on whether or not. It's I I think by May you'll, you'll be good.
2: See i think you. i'm I'm optimistic i I, I think it's gonna be good i think they're gonna once the vaccine they open the borders and then it's good to go
0: yeah maybe by may it'll be like right on the edge where nobody or very few people will be traveling but it'll be okay to travel and you'll have italy to yourself
1: Oh, see I'm thinking, I, I'm expecting Italy. I'm, I'm, I just to be overran with tourists because every, one, it's the most pop, one of the most popular places to go and how many people had their plans canceled. I, I'm in my head, I'm like I need to book immediately. The second I think it's going to happen, I'm booking everything because I'm worried that the demand is going to be so high. I don't And so if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out when to book travel, you need to keep that in mind because I think Italy and Paris and these cities that Americans did not get to visit, uh, the pa- this past summer, all those people who had travel plans are now going to book the people who didn't have travel plans, but now are really want to get out because they've been stuck inside are going to book.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so the, the floodgates, as soon as we're able to, I, you know, as soon as that vaccine's available, the floodgates are going to open. And, I
4: still think people are still going to be scared. You're, yeah. All of you are much more optimistic. People, I still yeah. think it's going to be another year before people are going to feel comfortable traveling. And so it, I, back in my head, I see 2023.
1: Really, really, yeah. But yeah, even for even for, I think maybe there are older generate older generations that might not go. I mean, right that's away. a quarter of America. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and they're the I, ones that are gonna most typically travel to Europe because it's the easiest to travel to, right? Yeah, shorter distance.
1: Yeah, the infrastructure is easier for them, but. It, I don't know i i think uh my age group and younger the second you're available it's available people are going to book
2: or the I hardcore can't... travelers people who travel you know who yeah. make it their lifestyle i think they're definitely going to go back yeah you might have more the conservative this conservative group of people who are going to travel less mm-hmm. but uh yeah yeah because we're when... optimistic for now
0: yeah and when we talked in the beginning like COVID 19 won't be eradicated ever we just don't have that possibility. It Become, becomes
4: like the flu, right? And yeah. That's,
0: yeah. That's yeah, why I've
4: telling people something we're just going to have to adapt to. It's just going to be a part of our lives. Just don't let it completely unravel your life, derail your life. It's going to yeah. be
0: here. Yeah, it's just a new risk yeah. that we have to be... We have to learn how to mitigate and what we can't mitigate accept.
2: Yeah, I
3: agree. Yeah. Yeah, but I tell you this one that is quite funny. Uh, sorry for the American friend that... Uh, It might be probably too funny for you look my grandmother was born in 1901 and so basically she survived two wars at the beginning of the first war 1915 1918 what happened all the little girls at that time she was 14 she has been forced by the government to smoke to smoke that was a thing Yeah, that's what the thing, that was the cure for the Spanish flu, for the Spanish disease. And so starting from 1915, pretty much until 1997, when she died, she was smoking one Cuban cigar and a half a day. She had seven kids. (laughs) She ended up to hospital once. She sent to hell the nun. She went back home and she died home and she was perfect until the last day. My grandfather was the same. He was forced to smoke when he was little, and so he wasn't even 16 years old. He was smoking the pipe, and that was <laughs> the solution for the Spanish flu here in Italy. That's awesome. We need, we need wow. to
1: distribute Cuban cigars across the population. <laughs>
3: Bob, don't say that. Otherwise, we're going to be guilty. No way. No, we that's... cannot force anybody to smoke. No, otherwise, it's going to be a problem. But in Italy, that's what happened 100 years ago.
0: Wow. I never knew that. I love that's, awesome. I, that's why I love this. <laughs> you learn That's really interesting. Really, yeah. really fun facts.
3: That kind uh, of people that they were born at the beginning of the 1900s they were all heavy smokers actually (laughs) and none of them died with uh, cancer or lung diseases or these kind of things they were built to last
1: You know why? (laughs) You know why? It's the diet. That's not I'm going to fall back. We don't need to go on that tangent, but their diet was much more natural. They weren't eating uh, the crap that we all eat today. It was very natural and uh, easy for them to digest, and I think it helped them live longer.
3: But, Bob, it was easy to digest because they were splitting a duck in 25 people.
2: (laughs) They were were what?
3: (laughs) They were splitting a duck a rooster whatever oh. 25 persons yeah. and so they were not eating much yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's and just,
2: just prosecco a lot of prosecco
3: yeah yeah yeah. you're right yeah. God, you're
0: right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it I'm... wasn't
3: prosecco it was the grappa <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> by the way igor i am extremely excited to go on that tesla tour through the prosecco region i cannot wait to do that that sounds amazing
3: That one is pretty cool, actually, especially because uh, it's going to be fun for sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that'll be fun.
1: All right, Elliot, are you ready for uh, your last question? Do you see it on there?
0: (laughs) Yes. All right. So, uh, Ior, let's start with you, and then we'll move to Keschler and then Brandon. What advice can you give our listeners who are typically travel enthusiasts on how to plan and proceed with travel.
3: Interesting question, but it's really difficult to answer actually. Since that we are changing all the procedure, all the laws, week after week, day by day, actually, it's really difficult to book well in advance, since that you are not sure that a flight is going to be there for you or whatever else. As Bob said before, when they open the gates, the cages, I believe that everybody's going to run fast to book a flight, hotel, or whatever else, actually. And so probably booking ahead of time, whatever you are able to book it, book it now because you're going to have amazing deals. Something that you're not going to find after that they are going to open the cages.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Catch that.
4: Yeah, same thought. It's hard to answer that question. It's, it's not like I'm repeating what Igor just said. It's just one, be flexible to book. And I've been telling people this for a while, book the flight now, but be ready to possibly like get a voucher or a change at a later date in case you can't travel then. And just like be aware of what's going on in that country or destination that you're trying to go to. Because like everything else is just changing so often that you may find that the rules that you originally thought were in place when you booked it and were ready to go have changed dramatically when you get closer to your travel day. So like, be flexible, be knowledgeable, and if you can, find an affordable flight.
1: Yeah, Kessler, to add on that, my flight that I booked for, for May had the option to use it. I used points and use additional points to be able to get my points back in the event that I can't go. So now they're they're charging you to ensure that you actually get your refund, which I think they did before anyway travel insurance, you know, basic you economy, economy I, right. You tack it on at the yeah. end there and you, you, yeah, you get it. But, uh, that's, I would definitely recommend, uh, doing that if you had the option.
4: I've been in an argument with two different airlines. And I'm going to be on the phone with one of them after this, uh, this, this chat It's just like, I'd like to have my money back because there are parts of the world that I probably will not have access to for a while now. And it's like, I, it'd be better for me just to have the money back than taking the voucher or points, which they want to add a fee on top of. And I'm telling them like, Hey, uh, why should I accept the fee? If, the, the, the take points or get my points back, it seems a little bit much, but I understand that what they're going through. A lot of the airlines are in a situation, whereas if you ask for money back, then it could help possibly tank them. So I'm trying to be
2: flexible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Brandon.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's, I think if you're going to, wherever you're going to go and travel, do some background research, you know, learn what actually you can get. If you can get money back with hotels, try and go for the ones that are going to be refundable up to like a few days before. When you get to the country, especially in Europe where you're going, just, you know, social distance, wear a mask, wash your hands. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. Like I said, I think it's just going to get a year from now, the vaccine is out. I think little by little, people's memory is going to get short. Um, but it is a really good point to make sure that you, if you're booking a hotel, get the full refund. With airlines, you know, like everybody else is saying right now, you can get, you should be able to get your money back, um, especially right now. And there are good discounts. I know on tours, on our tours, and I'm sure Igor as well, there's, you're discounting what you're offering right now. And that's going to stay until we get things back to I said, the normal flow, as it was before. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, a good, it's guys- a good
2: time to go. Now are you guys
1: expecting prices to increase once um things do get back to normal to make up for lost revenue do you think places are going to do that rent car rental companies airbnb things like are should people anticipate paying more than they would have in 2020 for 2021 and 2022
2: I think it's just supply and demand I think that's where yeah. it'll come down to you know if nobody's buying a Nobody's renting a car; the price is going to keep going down. Once they start renting the cars and they start running out of supply, then they're just going to raise the prices up for tickets. For any of the museum tickets, will probably stay the same. But you know, Mm -hmm. now you have a few uh, sites that are also offering discounted tickets in in this in the afternoon as opposed to the morning time. So I think Mm -hmm. people are going to get kind of creative. But in the end, I think it just comes down to supply.
0: Right. I'm hoping that some of the airline changes stick around for a little while, like. Re- either no change fees or severely reduced change fees, ideally less baggage fees and, you know, actually being able to get a refund if you book a basic economy. Yeah.
2: I, like I said, I think it's going to last until when they're trying to lure you in with the honey, you know, yeah. until, until they're completely full. It's like, all right, back to before. Or they like a long, like
4: four page disclaimer, these, you know, you can only get your refund if this are you following these particular protocol. Right.
1: right. Yeah, you have to provide a doctor's note to get uh, to change your flight <laughs> these days. Yeah. so All which right, yeah. which
0: I did have happen to me last year. It's the first time I've ever had that happen. Got full refund for basic economy flight because I had a collapse long and couldn't fly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow, that's
0: intense. Yeah. It was very frustrating. <laughs> all right
1: so that 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 wraps up the future of travel conversation thank you all for coming on today so I I briefly before we get off so Brandon Shaw he is the co-founder operator owner of the tour guide check it out uh good tour YouTube guy, page. Guy, tour the, guy. The, the tour guide I'm the, the tour guy I'm sorry yes <laughs> and the Roman guy yeah. um, great YouTube page that's actually how I discovered your company by researching my time that I wanted to spend in Italy just typing it into YouTube came across your 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 uh, channel and have been following since Igor uh, the tour leader Venice operating out of Venice and the Prosecco region of Italy Uh, if you guys are going there check out his his website his Instagram you're very active on Instagram Um, and so and so you could book there Keschler you are with Lake Nard tourism and now, a member of the Traveler's Blueprint, you can get tours with, with Keshler through our website as well. So thank you all for coming on today. And uh, that's, that's it. So tune in next month. Uh, thank you all for coming in.
3: Thanks, guys. Ciao, oh, guys. <laughs> Ciao. Thank you.